Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and another a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, sometimes when reading the scriptures prescribed for the day, I think, boy, am I glad I don't preach every week. I have nothing to say to that scripture, and it doesn't resonate one bit to me. But then there's days like today. I've spent the better part of the last couple of weeks with today's gospel text working on me. I avoided writing it down for way too long because I knew I would have to confess to you, to God, and to myself that maybe all this hits a little too close to home. Two men went up to a temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. If you've spent any time in the New Testament, you know that we hear about those darn Pharisees and how they seem to consistently get it wrong. Sure, Pharisees were those so devoted to God that they were strict adherers to the law and wanted to remain holy so they could do their tasks and attend temple. On the surface, it seems that those seem like really great things to do. Let's hear what he does. First, he goes to the temple to pray. Excellent. Going to the temple to worship regularly on the Sabbath, but also going there during the week to pray. Excellent start. He recounts what he does. He fasts twice a week. Wow, that's a great spiritual discipline. 
in, in the tradition, the Jews were only required to fast once a year. So twice a week, amazing. Have you ever tried fasting from all food? <laughs> Dang, it is hard. I get really grumpy, even hangry, when I fast. Doing it once a week during Lent was brutal for my family when the kids were little. I was not a nice person. Despite my best efforts to draw closer to God when giving up food, you know, we should probably give our Pharisee the benefit of the doubt and assume he didn't take out his fast on his family. Another thing our Pharisee does is that he, he tithes all of his income, 10% of everything. In other words, he gives even more than was prescribed by the law. That is really impressive. The vast majority of churchgoers give in the neighborhood of 2% of their income to the church. You know, only about 4% of regular church attenders actually tithe or give 10%. One, our Pharisee was quite generous compared to folks, even, even folks today. What the Pharisee does is great stuff. Really, none of his actions are bad. Frankly, the actions are to be emulated and lifted up. Maybe. And this is the part that worked on me this week. I love going to church. Okay, during the pandemic, it was really, really easy to cozy up in my pajamas on the sofa, turn on my big TV to YouTube and watch the, watch the stream um, and watch worship. It was comfortable, I liked it, but I wasn't engaged with worship. I would sometimes play on my phone and wander off to get more coffee. My sofa was not a very holy place. I just know it was really easy not going to church, not putting on real clothes, not focusing on God for a full hour. I love being here, this room filled with light, filtered through the stained glass windows, the warmth of the sun on the south side pews, the rustling of papers from the kids in the back, the memories of sacraments shared, of babies baptized, of my ordination as an elder when I felt the weight of your hands as an extension of God's. But maybe the most important part is I miss the people. Oh, how I love being with you in person, giving your hand a squeeze, smiling, even if it's often behind a mask, because I really hope this sniffling is just my allergies. And I love checking in with you. It is good to be together. I love coming in during the week and realizing how busy this place is so many days. After school, this place is vibrating with the energy from Dreamhouse and all the activities from our, housed in our facility and elsewhere in the community. In the morning, our parking lot is full with ELL learners and their leaders and one of our ministries of welcome. We do great things in this place. We have much to be proud of. Pride. Proud of what we do. Hmm. I think Jesus had something to say about that in today's scripture. This is where I got stuck this week. I kept thinking about all that I had done in church. My, my church resume is pretty full, especially since I got started doing things in church well before I could read. I broke my first bone in a church. 
I sang in the cherub choir. I attended and later taught Sunday school. I've been a certified lay pastor and joined the staff here in addition to my full-time job at the university. I, I have turned down requests to serve on committees here and boards there, trotting out my excuse that I am too busy. Don't modern folks use the I'm so busy badge as a way of puffing themselves up? Or maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not such a new thing, though. Luke tells us one story earlier in the gospel about Martha and Mary and how Martha was so busy with all those tasks and Mary had chosen the better part. Isn't this just what the Pharisee did? In two sentences, our Pharisee, in his prayer to God, uses the word I four times. Our Pharisee prays to God but is telling or bragging to God of all his personal spiritual accomplishments. These accomplishments have nothing to do with other people. There are things he can do all by himself, including keeping himself separate so he will not become ritually unclean, thereby required to stay away from the temple. It was all about the Pharisee and nothing about God or God's people for that matter. It was truly a personal relationship with God, purely vertical. Let's be honest though, a strong relationship with God is a most excellent thing. Not everyone gets there. But maybe God wants more from us than just a list of how, how much good we've done. Does God have anything to say about how we treat others? Let's now switch to our tax collector. Most folks I know really do not like paying taxes. They don't like being audited. They don't like being reminded of how much their income funds other things, schools, roads, safety, libraries, tons of excellent stuff we need as a society. And while I personally try to look at my take-home part of my earning statement and what I can do with that money, every now and then I peek and am reminded of all the deductions, most of which I elected. But that is nothing like what tax collectors in Jesus' time were about. First, Israel was occupied by Rome. And in order to fund their occupation, the Romans hired a few of the local Jews as tax collectors to collect a certain amount. The position was incredibly corrupt because these tax collectors could extort as much as they wanted from their fellow Jews to make a living. And often, it was an extravagant one. These tax collectors were reviled. They collaborated with the occupiers. Our tax collector in this parable is one of these folks. He was professionally corrupt. Quite a complicated person for Jesus to highlight as an example. When I think about corruption, I think of someone like in contemporary times of somebody like Bernie Madoff, right? Our tax collector is this kind of person who goes up to the temple to pray, just as the Pharisee does. And both stand apart from everyone else. The Pharisee, perhaps, to stay ritually pure. The tax collector, why did he stand apart? Was it because he was not welcome in polite society? Or was there something else here? Maybe it was because he didn't feel worthy. 
Our tax collector's words tell us this. After all, our passage says, but the tax collector was standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man would not lift his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast an expression of grief and disappointment or woe. Our tax collector was not only acted distressed, but he also said as much in his words, be merciful to me, O God, a sinner. Be merciful. Our tax collector recognized and acknowledged his sin and begged God for forgiveness. Our tax collector prayed for forgiveness. He knew he had failed and begged God for mercy, and Jesus tell us, uh, tells us he was made right with God. Our Pharisee? Uh, yes, not quite. Our Pharisee did do some great things in God's name, but alas, he went about it for all the wrong reason with the wrong attitude. There's a couple of phrases in today's passage that really struck me this week. In verse 9, it starts, he was also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. And a little later, in the prayer, the Pharisee said, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, even this tax collector. These phrases stopped me short this week, because if I'm honest with myself, don't I sometimes look at others and think, oh, I am so glad I'm not like that. In today's political climate, too often people view others with contempt and are glad that we are not like that kind of people or those over there. Too often, public discourse vilifies political candidates from the other party. Too often, people are judged by outward appearance or place in society or where they are perceived to come from as opposed to what they do, say, or believe. Our Pharisee approached God with confidence confident that he was doing the right thing, even more than had been asked of him by the law. But alas, his attitude in his prayer was all wrong. Our Pharisee was all about himself, what he had done, what he had accomplished, how set apart he was. And while he did pray to God, the prayer was not only just about himself, but also in looking down on others with contempt. I don't think God has any patience with us when we look down our noses at other people, when we rank the important people ahead of others, when we consider some as better than ourselves or worse than ourselves. That whole judging things, God has no patience with that at all because I know I need to take the log out of my own eye before I even attempt to take the speck out of anyone else's, at least Scripture tells me that. In contrast, our tax collector was self-aware. He knew his place in the world. He knew his place with God. He knew that he had failed and needed God. He needed God's mercy and wanted to be forgiven more than anything in the world. The thing is, friends, we are all sinners. Every last one of us. The good news we just need to ask for forgiveness, that's it. Don't be all self-righteous like me and about not needing to go to confession 
like my Catholic husband, right? We need confession just as much as anyone. Your sin may very well look different than mine, but let's admit here in this beautiful room that doesn't serve so much as a museum for saints, but really as a hospital for us sinners. Let's admit that we've sinned. We have fallen short of what God wants each of us to do, to be, or to think. While I may not have an addiction to alcohol, I might be addicted to shopping or some other fill-in-the-blank sin. I think our brothers and sisters who meet in our church basement on Monday evenings for the AA meetings, they really understand this in their 12-step program. I'm going to swap one word for sin and see how this fits with us. Because whether we view ourselves as the Pharisee, the tax collector, or both, we do need to repent, to trust in the goodness of God, and surrender by confessing our sins. We admit that we are powerless over sin and that our lives have become unmanageable. We come to believe in a power greater than ourselves, and that could restore us to sanity. We make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. We make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. We admit to God and to ourselves the exact nature of our wrongs. We, are, we get entirely ready to have God remove these defects from our character, and we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. And all the way at number 12, having a, had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other sinners to practice these principles in all our affairs. Two men went up to a temple to pray. Friends, this parable is an invitation to look deep inside us, to do the necessary work of introspection, and to move past the outward good works that we do in order to see our sinfulness and then repent. Joan Chittister wrote, contemplation is a very dangerous activity. It not only brings us face to face with God, it brings us face to face with the world, and then it brings us face to face with self. And then, of course, something must be done. I think our tax collector got it right, right when he uttered a few of a couple key words. And these words have become known as the Jesus prayer. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, if you ask a child, what's the magic word? They'll answer please, or thank you, or I'm sorry, and actually mean it. But I think if you ask Jesus, he may very well answer, Lord, have mercy on me. The prophet Micah tells us what the Lord requires, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.